Welcome to The Light Within, a podcast for anyone seeking to rewrite their life, live in their light, and align with their soul's highest purpose. I'm Leslie Draffin. I'm a certified microdosing practitioner, menstrual cycle coach, and feminine embodiment mentor. And I'm on a mission to break taboos around women's bodies, periods, and psychedelics. On this show, we're exploring all things spirituality, sexuality, mysticism, and empowerment. Come along as I interview other coaches, teachers, healers, and thought leaders about all the ways we can feel more tuned in, turned on, and lit up AF. If you're on a journey towards self-discovery, you've come to the right place. This is The Light Within. Hello, beautiful beings, and thank you so much for joining me for this episode of The Light Within. I am so excited for today's guest, Ellen Gilbert. She is a women's sacred leadership coach. She is so amazing. And this conversation is really centered all around worthiness. It is obviously something that I have struggled with. I think a lot of women out there can probably, you know, commiserate with that. I'm sure you've probably struggled with those feelings of unworthiness as well. And Ellen has just a beautiful way of explaining why we feel unworthy in the first place and ways we can move to feeling more worthy now. Before we get started with this amazing conversation, I want to remind you that if you're hearing this podcast today, the day it drops, May 29th, then it is the very last day to join my group integration journey, Cyclical Microdosing, reconnecting with your cycle womb and divine feminine. There are already so many women in this who are ready to deep dive into their more embodied path, who are ready to learn to stand in their power and become their own healer. So if you hear this podcast on May 29th, you still have time to book a free one-on-one call with me so that we can discuss my cyclical microdosing protocol, which is a cycle-informed way to microdose to reconnect with your cycle. We can also talk about your biggest cycle challenges and I'll help you find an aligned action plan to get you feeling better fast. And then of course, I'll also share more about cyclical microdosing and why I created this program, especially for you. So you'll find in the show notes, a link to book your free one-on-one with me and more details on this group program. I really hope to see you inside. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming Ellen to the Light Within podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Leslie. So the first question I ask everybody is, what ignites your light within? I love this question. And my name, Ellen, means light. So it's something I've been thinking about (laughs) my whole life. I mean, lately, it's been a lot of dancing. Like just anything that's going to get my blood pumping, putting on some Rufus to soul or some sort of like dance beats and just letting it rip. Like nobody's watching. I also really love taking cold showers in the morning, just anything to kind of brighten me up and get me going for the day. But authentic conversations like this definitely ignite that light within as well. Perfect. I don't know about the cold showers thing. I have tried to like do the, (laughs) like where I'll just turn it cold for 30 seconds before I'm out but um, maybe one day. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I recommend it for sure. So for those folks who are not familiar with you or your work, introduce yourself for us and tell us more about what it is that you have birthed into the world. Mm, Absolutely. Well, I always tell people I'm multi-passionate and (laughs) multi-faceted. So I am a sacred leadership coach, helping women expand to their soul's potential and lead the life they came here to live. 
And I really started out in international affairs. I studied gender and development and worked with women leaders. And so I got to travel the world, like have my dream job, the whole nine yards. It was absolutely amazing. But (laughs) there's that old tricky friend burnout Mm. that I definitely experienced. And what I really noticed was that what I wanted to be doing was working with these women Mm one-on-one in more of a coaching mentorship guide capacity to help them look at some of these systemic causes that lead them to burnout. Mm. So taking more into account self-care, you know, before that was like such a trendy buzzword. Mm -hmm. And then also just getting them to connect with their authenticity and to peel back some of these layers of the conditioning Mm -hmm. that have kept them separate from who they really are and what they really want to be doing. Mm. And so is your burnout what led you to doing this path? Yeah. Same. I had burnout too. So yeah, I feel (laughs) you. Yeah. Not a lot of fun, is it? No, not at all. (laughs) But if we can use it as part of our story to get us to where we are and to help others, then I mean, I really do feel like it was all worth it. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I think that everything is a lesson when you choose to see it that way and a message when you choose to see it that way. So now look at you helping people individually birth their light. Um, Yeah, this is amazing. I love this. Mm. So let's talk a little bit more about burnout, right? Like when you, what did it look like for you and how did you work through it in your own way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it was really wild because like I said, I got my master's degree. I was literally having the dream job that I had been working so hard to get, making so many sacrifices. I had lived in New York and then I was in DC and I was traveling a bunch. I was like, this is the life, right? But on the other hand, I was getting sick all the time. Like literally I was always sick. I always felt terrible. I didn't know why. I kind of thought this is just what people feel like Mm. who are living their dream. This is what it takes. This is the amount of grit you have to put into it to make it, to stay in the rat race, whatever it is, and to get to that next level. And I kept being told like, oh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky you get to do this work. And I was like, I'm not lucky. I worked really hard, number one. And also I feel terrible. Mm. Like I couldn't sleep. I would travel and I would you know, get to South Africa and not be able to sleep for days Mm. and feel like I was going absolutely crazy. And, and then I was just told, well, you're just not trying hard enough. You need to take better care of yourself. Mm -hmm. How am I supposed to take care of myself if these are the expectations that are put on me? And so it just became this ridiculous cycle. And luckily at the same time, I found meditation. Mm -hmm. I had never meditated. There was one night I was suffering so badly from travel-induced insomnia, Mm -hmm. and I discovered a meditation that was supposed to help me sleep, and it was amazing. I was like, what is this all about? I actually didn't fall asleep from it, but I just listened to it for eight hours, like trying to just calm my mind Mm -hmm. and calm my body for the first time. And after that, I was like, I need more of this. I want more of these skills. And so I started studying insight meditation and you know buddhism fell into the whole the whole spiel just absolutely loved it and had my spiritual awakening in 2018 and then i just wanted to share about it with everyone i met about what the ego was what the higher self was what were these pieces that they could tap into 
to help them get clear on what really matters. Mm-hmm. And then it became like addictive. I just wanted to, to spread that light everywhere I went. I love it. So let's talk a little bit about worthiness. Cause I know that is something that you speak a lot about um, in your work with folks. And obviously when it comes to letting our inner light become unleashed, we have to deal with worthiness. So it's something I've struggled with for sure, especially after I left my TV news job. And a lot of my clients have also struggled with it too. And I think just like, if you're a woman, you've struggled with feeling worthy, right? Like why is it that women and people in feminine bodies are the ones that struggle with worthiness so much? Do you think? Oh my gosh, it's such a good question. And yeah, a lot of my work does center around this because I'm so curious about it. And it's something that really changed the game for me. I think we all like just at a human level, we feel unworthy because of our ego, which evolved to keep us safe. But the other end of that was it kept us separate from sensing our goodness. Our goodness, our worthiness, it's inherent. Nothing can ever touch it or diminish it just because we're here, we're alive, we're human, we are worthy. But our sense of our own worthiness, our sense of goodness goes up and down depending on so many things. And yeah, being a woman, absolutely like this culture, right? We absorb it from the moment we're born or even before, of course, with all this gender reveal stuff, like we are conditioned into out of our worthiness, really. Mm-hmm. And when you layer on top of the ego we already have, you layer on that family of origin stuff, ancestral wounds. Again, many of these stories, like for me, my maternal line, the story was always, you know, be safe, protect yourself, don't take risks. Mm-hmm. That led me to think, well, I'm not capable of taking care of myself. I'm not capable of surviving without all of these layers of protection. So all these pieces start to take away the worthiness, the sense of worthiness. And then we get the societal conditioning on top of that. So that's misogyny, queer phobia. And then with being in a, in a feminine body, you know, blood phobia, you know, phobia around the menstrual cycle, all the superstitions that come with that. And a lot of this comes from the burning times, which Mm -hmm. were about erasing our power and our wisdom and severing our connection to the earth, our bodies, our magic. And that left a massive imprint on our collective DNA. And so all of this became mixed up in this like dark storm cloud Mm -hmm. of unworthiness. And it was internalized so that we could survive, so that we could belong. And at our core, we all long to belong to community. Like that's a huge part of our survival as humans is being in these large social networks. Mm -hmm. And we're so afraid that we're not going to be welcome as our authentic selves. So instead, what do we do? We ought to fit in, Mm. you know, by watering down our essence. And that brings up shame as well, because we know we're not being true to ourselves. And so then there's even more shame, which is that sense of of separateness, the illusion of the separate self. And then there's capitalism, which (laughs) makes us feel like we're only worth what we produce and earn. And again, as women, that body piece is huge because we have billion dollar fitness, beauty, diet, fashion industries, predicated on our unworthiness. Mm. So we are up against 
titans. <laughs> like we can hardly fathom the scale of what's working against our own sense of worthiness. Mm. And that's why we have to have so much fucking compassion for ourselves and like our tender little psyches in this life, in these bodies, in this society, in these families, in these systems we didn't ask for, but here we are. So let's start to remember the truth of our own goodness. Mm, I love that. And also fuck yes to all of that. Okay. (laughs) So now we know, you know, part of the why. And I, I don't know, like, I think some folks, I think that it's for a lot of folks very clear when they start to feel unworthy. But I also think, and this is something that I've noticed, especially when I work with teenagers, they begin to feel all these other things and like underneath it is the unworthiness. So what have you seen, you know, people come to you with that when you look underneath like the hood of the car, oh shit, it's just a bunch, it's a bunch of unworthiness (laughs) under there. (laughs) Like, are there different ways it manifests or comes out in your work or your personal life or the way that you see yourself? Mm, such a good question. I, I don't know, maybe like when you're a hammer, everything's a nail, but I do see unworthiness at the root of everything. Mm-hmm. And especially working with women, especially working with women leaders, that sense that someone's going to find out I don't have a clue what I'm doing, the imposter, which we all like, mm-hmm. I can tell you, women at all levels of leadership feel this way. Mm-hmm which is like really validating, but also mind boggling and makes me really angry too. (laughs) Cause we're so like, we're such badass women. And then we're out here doubting ourselves. That's a really big piece. The imposter. Um, I think of unworthiness. It's all the shame, the fear and the trauma that keep us stuck. Yeah. That keep us from meeting our true potential. So anytime I see fear, I'm going to, I'm going to lean in and I'm going to say, what's this really about? Mm -hmm. Because it gets so wrapped up in this story of survival Mm -hmm. and of what we actually need to stay safe. But I just like to get curious. Like, can we just open that up and complicate it a little bit? And when we do that, we usually see that it is unworthiness. So yeah, it can manifest so many things, right? Body dysmorphia, eating disorders, you know, all of these pieces like sexual shame, yep. you know, shame about our spirituality, maybe leaving a religion. There's a lot of that that I work with because I'm, I was raised evangelical myself. Mm. So all the shame that comes from that and being queer and coming out and being like, wait, I'm not a piece of shit. I'm not going to hell. I'm not a bad person. Mm. Like that's just, it's, it takes a lifetime of unlearning some of these these shame and unworthy beliefs yeah but the good news is we don't have to do it alone yeah and we're all learning every day little by little how to come back into contact Mm. with our own goodness and our own worthiness yeah well I love that you shared about the fact that like women in the highest levels of leadership also are dealing with this and kind of like what you said like it fucking sucks that that's the case but when I have a 14 year old client who's like I have the worst self-talk I judge the shit out of myself because I don't feel worthy. And I'm like, well, guess what? Like (laughs) to be able to reflect that, like that's something that we all experience. Like, I wonder if that would just make them feel more held and seen, but I just also feel like 
there's just so, like you said, there's like billion dollar industries set up against us, right? To prey upon these little fears. And then, you know, we're so ingrained in them at times. Like it took me fucking forever to wake up to that, to check out of diet culture. I finally did it in 2021 after 20 years of eating disorders. And it's like, oh shit, all of this. Like I am just one person. Like I can't go up against and completely eradicate billion dollar industries. I can do my own work for myself to change my own beliefs. And that's what I can do. Um, and so one other thing that I did want to share is I feel like another thing that has happened for me and my own in, inner unworthiness is overachieving, overproducing and being like the perfectionist, like the perfect child. Like I was like top of my class, president of all the things like head cheerleader, all of those things. And then went into a very toxic industry in the news industry, needed to be the best, judged myself if I didn't work the extra shifts that if I didn't do everything, you know, plus some. And so when I stopped working in news last year, after I had like this mental health crisis, what no one fucking told me was like, when you suddenly check out of hustle culture and you're healing yourself, your unworthiness is going to come rearing back. It's fucking ugly head. Like you might never, not have ever thought that that's what it was, but like me having to grapple with what am I here for? What do I, what am I even for if yes. I'm not X, Y, and Z? Yes. It's that sense of identity. Mm -hmm. And in Buddhism, we talk about this as the ego identification. The ego wants to see itself reflected out in the external world to know that it's safe, that it's making its mark, mm -hmm. you know, putting its stamp on the world. And then you combine that with our patriarchal conditioning, our capitalist conditioning of, well, as a w working woman, you know, I get my worth from being like, a worthy female, which has all of those pieces mm. connected, and then being a worthy worker, which yeah. has all those pieces oh, connected. God. So, like, those are so tightly hooked, the productivity and the worthiness. How do we start to decouple them so we can see, wait, what if I didn't produce anything? What if I didn't have a to-do list? What if I burned my calendar? Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, who would I be? And, but that's where the magic happens because we're like dissolving the ego. We're dissolving those boundaries and we're coming into contact with who I am, not who I am being or what I am doing, yep. but who am I? What am I witnessing? What am I experiencing? It's the same with the body. The body, like I am not an object for someone to consume, like through the male gaze. I am a being having an experience inside of this body it's so subtle but it's it's a fucking game changer yeah. to make that shift from from like object to subject mm -hmm. yeah and it's funny because so much of this is such subtle work that does have such a deep impact when you believe and want to commit to it because it's like i can tell you know the people that i work with and and i keep coming back to my young clients like my my teenagers mm -hmm. like i can be like look, this is around your self-talk. Like, here's how we can start to reframe and rephrase that. And it's like, yeah, I just, it is so, so much work to start, I feel like. And and so I'd love to get your take on like, okay, now we know it's this. We know we're, we're dealing with some unworthiness here. We're seeing how it's manifesting. And so what do we do to move through it? Like, what are your techniques? Mm, beautiful question. Yeah, and I love move through it because that is what it is. And I use movement and I partner with the body so much for this work. 
like if we don't have the space in our bodies and in our nervous system to actually sit with the unworthiness, like hold it, put our hands on it and say, okay, this is the texture. This is the shape. This is the sensation in my body. And just by bringing that awareness, it begins to melt away. It begins to shift, begins to take a different form. And if we can't locate that in the body, so many of us are Mm -hmm. severing, right? Is to disconnect us, take us outside. So I always start with bringing it back to the body. And my work is in fascia awakening and regulation and fascia release. So the connective tissue, bringing in very subtle self-massage techniques, Mm -hmm. very gentle self-touch. I love to just start with the heart. I had one client, (laughs) I was like, she was like, give me all the tools. Like, I don't want to feel unworthy anymore. Give me the tools. And I was like, put your hand on your heart. She was like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> I was like, just try it. Let's just, you know, work with me here. Just put your hand on your heart. Take some breaths in and out. You know, maybe say to yourself, I am a worthy being. Mm-hmm. Or I'm a sovereign being. Or I deserve good things. And that was honestly the biggest transformation that we experienced. Mm. Like she could not do it on day one, Mm. but eventually she could get there. Mm. And some people have to fake it a little bit in the beginning with these mantras or these self touches because it's so simple, but so scary. And then another piece I like to bring in is a bridge. So a lot of my clients, they really struggle to say that they deserve good things Mm -hmm. or that they are good. And so what we'll do is we'll work outward and we'll find someone in their lives that's easy to love. Mm. We'll bring them to mind and we'll just meditate on that being, imagining them gazing into your eyes and all the love that they send to you and to your heart. Mm -hmm. And then noticing what that experience is and that you can have that experience anytime because you just did it you know you can give that felt experience of love and compassion to yourself Mm -hmm. and so for some people it just starts as curiosity Mm. as kindness and then like eventually maybe we're moving towards love Mm -hmm. which can be a big one it is so funny that first of all I love that you said like you may have to fake it a little in the beginning and like that's okay like I say that all the time I'm like your mind is so permeable. Like it will begin to believe if you just start to do the thing, like, especially with like affirmation work and, and, and it's hard for some people to believe that. So I love the bridge as well. Like I teach it often in like a meta meditation type situation. Let me tell you, my dog Gunner has like brought me more of like, cause he is my most uncomplicated relationship. And I love that dog. He's my soulmate. I'm sorry to my husband but he knows it. Right. But like I, and the dog's getting older. He's just turned 11. He's a great Dane. Who knows how much longer we have with him. But like when I look at him and I'm like, like that love that I see in his eyes, I'm going to get misty eyed talking about this stuff. When I see the love that he has for me, I'm like, can I just see myself? Like he sees me and it's like, Oh shit. Yes, I can. Like mirror work for me has always been a big trigger because I have such like body image background stuff. 
And so I'm like, just looking at the mirror, because if you look close enough in a dog's eyes in the right light, you will see yourself reflected back. And there you are. And there you are in that experience. So a pet, a person, whoever, I like to choose a pet usually because it's like, that's Mm -hmm. very uncomplicated. They're not going to most of the time talk back to you unless you got like a real mouthy, verbal, fun, little (laughs) sassy one in your life. But I just love that you, you, you brought that bridge part in too, because I think that that's so amazing. And I also, you know, it has helped me so much. And I know you've had these experiences too, working with plant medicine, working with Mm. um, sacred mushrooms, you know, that's such a big part of my, my own inner healing and very much what this podcast has morphed into for the last six months. And so when we talk about building compassion, building gratitude, so often in my experience and the people that I talk to as well, like that sometimes seems to be like the final piece before the aha turns on. It's like, Oh yeah, of course I'm worthy. Yes. Yes. That's what these plants want us to know. Yeah, It's like mama earth is literally like here, I give it to you. Mm-hmm. Like take this in and know that you're worthy. Yeah. That was the experience I had and I've never microdosed. I'm so interested in your work. Um, I've had two full doses experience with psilocybin, but I was so nervous. Again, being raised evangelical, Mm -hmm. like so terrified of it. I was like, oh my God, like drugs, drugs are bad. (laughs) You know, like even though I was out of the church for so long, I was like, I'm going to go to hell. Um, But I finally, the moment came where I was like, this experience is so important for me to have. Mm Like they had been talking to me in dreams for a very long time. I was like, it's it's worth the risk. Like, I'm going to do it. And it was time to do it. And whenever I took the medicine in, I was like, the first thought I had was there was nothing to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. And they kept telling me that over and over and over. There was nothing to be afraid of. Nope. And just this felt sense of the universe wrapping me in her arms. Mm-hmm. And it was such a clarifying moment of, oh, the universe is benevolent. I thought it was. I was pretty much banking on it. But now I know for sure that like no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like We are so held and we are so loved. And it, I mean, that's like bridging it from like a universal mm-hmm. perspective. It's like if you have an experience like that, it doesn't have to be from plant medicine. It can be from any sort of ego death experience like whoa you kind of know you're set for life like you kind of know that you might have that worthiness sense shaken from time to time Mm -hmm. but it's like a a good touch point to come back to Mm -hmm. you're like oh I had it basically proven to me yeah yeah I love it and I love that you're like I was pretty much banking on the the universe being a benevolent situation (laughs) but like when you're raised in the church how like they can tell you on one hand that like this God is a benevolent loving God, but then you like read the Bible and shit's fucked up in there. And then also like, of course, everything's a woman's fault because of Eve. And also if you stray from this like, very distinctly strict, very Christian path, like you're going to hell. Like, so you you basically just told me you were ready to risk hell to do some yep. mushrooms. And then of course Absolutely. they were like, baby, it's fine. Come on. <laughs> you were in hell were before like, you were actually in hell before yes. and now you're branching into what it truly means to be in heaven yeah yes exactly the kingdom of god is- yeah exactly so let's talk a little bit about community because i know this is something that you mentioned you know before um and already like our deep 
inner desire is to, you know, be in community, to be with others, to not be judged or ostracized. Um, and also what's so fascinating for me is like how many sister witch and mother wounds keep us from connecting with others, like whether they're female or male or whatever, like our wounds from all of the societal programming and our self-limiting beliefs and the competition that the patriarchy places on top of us, like so often keep us from building community, but that's what our soul so longs for. So when you talk about that and you talk about building that, like what is it like for you to craft those and to craft leaders who can then build community too? Mm, beautiful question. Yeah, I didn't have this for the longest time. And I had friends, you know, I had relationships, but there was a deep sense of, of aloneness when it came to the real shit. Yeah. You know, not like the Instagram highlight mm. and not like the surface, you know, friendships. And I really wanted to develop community. I was like, what is that? I'm so curious about that. And I read The Millionth Circle by Jean Shinoda Bolin and I was like, we're going to do this. Let's go. And I was living in New Mexico at the time. I was like, this should be pretty easy, right? I, like type it into my little like search bar. Do, do, do. Like, women's circle or like moon circle. I forget exactly what I searched for. We've all looked at those. We've all been Googling that. Oh my God. It was like crickets. I was like, what? These are supposed to be like the woo woo people out here in the desert. And there was nothing. And a lot of times what you'll find are, you know, paid things, which can be great. Mm -hmm. Like some of them are legit. Some of them are gimmicky, of course, in capitalism. And then there was like nothing. So I was like, you know what? This still small voice in me was like, if you're wanting it, then you can bet that other women are wanting it. And you can let that desire and that like ache be the thing Mm -hmm. that pulls you out of your fear and unworthiness to doing the damn thing. Because if you do it, like, and one person finds it, mm-hmm. boom, you have community, yeah. you have a circle, the spell is broken. Cause that's how shame works. Shame is, it's the delusion of separateness, but all we need is one person to look us in the eyes and say, yes, I've been there. I know what you're going through. And it's like, the spell is broken. I'm not alone. I'm validated. I'm seen. Okay, we can do this. And so that's what I did. I created a little meetup. And overnight, I think we had 50 members. Nice. Women, like, joining the meetup. Of course, not all of them came to the, like, in-person gathering. But over time, we had over 100. Mm. And we were able to form circles together under the full moon. And, you know, sometimes dozens meeting together. And this was, like very earth shattering Mm -hmm. for me again being raised in the church where i felt that to be in spiritual community meant pretending to be someone Mm. very different than who i really was so for the first time we're passing a talking stick and we're sharing like the real stuff that's happening in our lives and no one's interrupting us and no one's trying to one-up us Mm -hmm. or give us advice unsolicited like it was freaking magic and i was like i just need more of this Mm -hmm. yes please and all the women were like we need more of this Mm -hmm. and so i made it a core piece of my work and when it comes to leadership again that lie that to be at the top you have to project this 
like perfection or this this lie that you have it all together it's all figured out you're good you don't make mistakes right it's like no let's break that like let's just normalize that we all make mistakes none of us know what the hell we're doing and we're just giving it our best shot you know at the same time as being human so those circles for my leaders specifically, you know, we're looking at those issues and all of those shadows and we're just mirroring for each other. Like, you're not alone. I hear you. I validate you. I see you. You're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. And it's so simple again, but so profound. Yeah. And I love too. it's like <clears throat> there's this myth that when you're at the top of your game, like you're separate than the people quote unquote below you, right? That was something that was really like a thing in TV because it was, you know, we wanted to be, because I was a manager in the newsroom and it's like, I, I had to be this manager position, but like I also had all these colleagues that were um, much younger than me at that time. But like this whole illusion of like, I need to be aloof. I need to be like over you in some way. And then also there's just this fucked up thing in like, solopreneurship too where it's like while I am finding myself the more I speak it to the mushrooms the more it happens like I'm like constantly now connecting with other people who like want to genuinely build genuine community but it's also one of those things where like there's still competition between people who are in this space because we have this this illusion of scarcity when in fact there's nothing but abundance there's plenty for everybody. And if I'm sharing with someone, that's me being more abundant, regardless of like, if money's coming in, I'm getting abundance from that. And so it's just such a fascinating shift that I've been making in my own life that now, like I, all of the years, cause I had this like story about my own, from my own past, when it came to being in community and partnership, I was always the one that had to do all the work. And that was because of, you know, all of the things that happened to me in school and like me being the smart one, quote unquote, and like having to work with people who, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's my own story. But like that was being brought in to whenever I was trying over the past several years to find community. And so I love that you're, you're speaking this about, you know, yeah, really helping people understand the, the power of it and that, you know, the sacred witnessing is so essential so essential. I love that you bring up that shadow that you're navigating because I'm navigating it as well Mm -hmm. still. And it's really been coming up for me as like, oh, I'm the one that has to create the thing. Mm -hmm. Like that has to always create the community. And for the first time this year, I invested in a coaching mastermind, Mm -hmm. like for myself to receive. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge like mental block for me. Like, oh, I can create it and build it and sell it and provide it for others or even do the free cooperative, Mm -hmm. you know, moon circle type community. But I couldn't pay money in exchange to receive something really beneficial, which is like a very expertly facilitated and held space Mm -hmm. where I could I could be the one to show up like drop all the bullshit drop the mask drop the like (laughs) the baggage and just be held and be seen and be witnessed and so that has been such medicine for me I'm like oh I'm like practicing what I preach now and I I actually it's full circle and now I get it but (laughs) I love it yeah it's hard so what other things do you do as a sacred leadership coach 
Mm. Yeah, we talked a ton about worthiness, yeah. but I know there's got to be tons of other yes. aspects as well. <laughs> it all comes back to worthiness, but yes, there's definitely other aspects. I mean, we do everything from career mapping, helping folks connect to their purpose and helping them kind of coach up, like if they have a supervisor that they're struggling with currently or a workload that doesn't feel aligned, you know, doing those little pieces as well. But so much of it comes back to their personal life and like what are those those shadows that came up through childhood, those pieces that need to be re-examined. So often we're looking for a corrective experience from something that happened you know, in our childhood or early adolescence that then we take into adulthood, yeah. into our professional and leadership lives. So I bring in a lot of IFS. We do, you know, meditations, visualization, bringing in the fascia and the embodiment, all with that same goal of how can we get that corrective experience in a safe container that actually allows those like inner children or inner critic parts to feel witnessed, seen, and then integrated. Mm. We're not trying to cut them off. We're like actually trying to bring them home so we can go be more whole, authentic, worthy leaders in whatever that looks like for each individual. But what I find with women leaders again and again is when we get in touch with who we really are and what we really want, it is for the benefit of all. It does have a ripple effect of goodness into the world. And that's why I'm so freaking obsessed with it because it's like I get to do what I love and what's in my zone of genius. And then I'm helping my clients do the same thing. And then they're helping their people do the same thing. And it does have just this beautiful ripple effect of like genuine joy, fulfillment. And then like they're creating things. Like it's just, it's good all around. Mm. So <laughs> I love it. So how can people connect with you, your work? How can they work with you? What do you have going on? Yes. Well, I just opened the doors to Nourished Leaders, which is my 12-week coaching program and community and it starts on June 26th. Uh, this is 2023. It's a 12-week program that offers one-on-one -on -one coaching every single week, along with monthly group coaching and lots of resources for leaders and entrepreneurs. And of course, that community element is there. And it all culminates in an in-person retreat in Washington, D.C. on the fall equinox. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be really juicy and really fun. I'm like bringing all the parts of me together finally because I love to dance. I love to karaoke. I love to do comedy. So like we're just bringing it all to the forefront, having fun, expressing ourselves fully and yeah, creating these lifelong communities. So that's definitely the best way to work with me. And you can go to ellengilbert.com to get all the information. Perfect. Well, I will put the links in the show notes. Ellen, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything else that you want to share that we didn't speak about? I just want to say to everyone that if you're having doubts on your journey of leadership, just to practice putting a hand on your heart, taking some breaths in and out, witnessing your own experience, just saying to yourself, I'm worthy. I've got this. And you're not alone. We can help each other along the path. So 
Yeah, just thank you so much for having me, Leslie. This was awesome. Mm, I hope you loved that conversation. I really just feel so much more lit up having listened to Ellen. If you want to connect with Ellen, I will put all her links in the show notes. You can also find me on Instagram at Leslie Draffin and at the Light Within Podcast. Shoot me an email, hello at lesliedraffin.com if you want to chat more. And remember, if you're hearing this episode on May 29th, the day that it drops, you can still join cyclical microdosing. This is our first round, the lowest prices it will ever be. I also have sliding scale available for folks who are single moms, students, BIPOC, LGBTQIA. So please reach out to me and let's connect. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. And remember, there's no light without darkness, but there's no darkness without light. I'll see you next time.